Father God, we are so, so grateful for all that you are doing. Lord, we continue to see your handiwork all around us and experience it within us. And, and we know that it's by your grace because it surely ain't by our goodness. So all we can say, Lord, is we're thankful. Thank you for being so good to us because your presence is the greatest thing you can give us. Just yourself. You are our greatest gift, oh God. And we thank you. We thank you for being with us today, being with us over the course of this weekend, over the course of this week. Lord, you have blessed us exceedingly, and we thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God is moving. God is working. And he expects us to work too. We had our very first I Am Whole Freedom Seminar over the course of this weekend. And we had a packed house, had to turn people away. And we will do it again in about six months. And if you missed out, you get another shot at it. All right? Better sign up early next time. You mess around. That's what happened. <laughs> so uh, the Lord is is showing to us what it is that he has for us and that he has given us his vision. And, and, and I'm just kind of wondering why I hadn't seen it before now, but, uh, it, you know, sometimes some of us learn a little slow. But uh, the Lord has been unveiling his heart to uh, us as a church. And, uh, and here it is, uh, Luke chapter 4. We're going, for the next five weeks, you'll hear this passage of Scripture every week. And what I've noticed is I hear it through the course of the week because God continues to confirm, yes, this is it. Yes, this is it. Over the course of this weekend, we heard this passage of Scripture kept coming up. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Last week we talked about what it is to be anointed, that the, the Spirit of the Lord being upon uh, an individual. And, of course, in this instance it was upon Christ, the Spirit. He was upon Christ, the Spirit, and for doing this work, the work of the ministry. And so when we look at Ephesians 4.11, when we as a church are supposed to be building up the body to do the work of the ministry, that is the work of the ministry. To see people saved, set free, healed, and restored. And so, and, and when it comes to set free, sometimes you need to be set free from outside entities and sometimes inside junk. And so, over the course of the weekend, with this, this soul care ministry that we had, that's dealing with the inside junk. And so, anyway, all of those will come in future sermons. But as for now, I want us to remind ourselves about the kingdom. Genesis chapter 1, God had a plan for humanity. He has already... Uh, and we don't know timelines, and I don't. I know some people love to think about timelines because you're American, and Americans think along the lines of time. I was in Africa, and uh, in Africa they don't care about time. And uh, so the, the 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 music starts. Say we're going to have church at ten o'clock. Well, the music starts about ten o'clock. Well, about ten thirty, people start wandering in, and uh, well, sometimes well, some of y'all just like that. <laughs> 
So anyway, anyway, and so us Americans, we're over there. We're getting worked up. I thought we were starting it. And then the Africans are like, hey, hey, hey. Says, you Americans have all the watches. We Africans have all the time. So anyway, because... Because you're American, you think along timelines, but we don't know the exact time. But, but Satan had formed a revolt against God, and God cast him, as well as a third of the angels who joined with him, out of heaven. God is then going to establish creation and creating uh, earth and, and all of the beauty of it, and then puts man in the midst of it and, and says, All right, I want you to govern this world. In fellowship with me, you will govern this world. That was God's plan all along, is that man would reign over creation under the reign of God in fellowship with him. All right, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So you see the words image and likeness and that we look like him and our characteristics like him. Uh, let them have dominion. Let him have dominion. And that we were to govern this earth, and that we were reigning over the earth under the reign of God himself and in fellowship with him. And of course, we know, uh, let's just keep reading. Let them have dominion over the fish, the sea, the birds, the air, the cattle, over all the earth, over all the earth, and over every creature, uh, creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. We recognize that Satan comes in and tries to and does uh, mess up this thing that God was doing. But, you know, God's infinite in his knowledge. He knew this was going to happen. He knew that how all of this would, would, would pass down through time and that, that man would revolt against God, rebel against God. And so this is how Satan does it. He comes in, brings separation. He, he pulls the woman aside from the man. Man was given the order that he was to rule, and there was order, and yet Satan gets things, he separates and gets things out of order. Separates, there's Eve over there with a, separate from Adam, he tempts her. Now she's making the calls. She's calling the shots. That wasn't God's order. So that's how Satan, he does it all the time. He gets things out of order. He gets things, uh, Satan dwells in the realm of chaos. God rel, uh, dwells in the realm of order. Everything with God is peace and order. Without order, there's no peace. And so there was an order. God set it in place. And then Satan wants to come up and mix up the order, separate husband and wife. Immediately uh, as they sin, as they rebel against God, here's how that happens. Satan says, you know, you're supposed to be reigning. And, and he, knew, he knew what was going on here. God was going to take a lesser than, because we were made a little lower than the angels. He was going to take a lesser than and have man worship a God and reign under God's authority. Satan said, I got to mess that thing up. Satan's jealous, jealous of God and his reign, and then certainly jealous of mankind because we're lesser than him in, in, in our physical being. And, and yet, yet we were going to follow God's design. So Satan says, I got to mess that thing up. Man's going to rule under the fellowship of the reign of, of God, and I got to mess that thing up. So he goes in and messes that thing up. And how does he do it? He said, uh, is there, can't you have anything in this garden? Eve said, everything but that. He said, oh, but you need that. God's holding out on you. He knows that with that you will have the knowledge of good and evil and be like him. Well, we didn't need infinite knowledge because we had God. I don't need to know everything if I'm walking with the Lord. Amen? 
I have the infinite God with me, the omniscient God with me. And so, and, and so he said, I want you to trade him for this. And so, man, if you will now live by your own knowledge, you don't need God. And there it happens. There it happens. And this is why God said that one thing, that's mine. That one thing is mine. You can have everything, that's mine. And then man said, but I want that. And we do. We, we sin. We fall. With it comes the curse. And, uh, and, and so we, we kind of know this story, don't we? But I don't know if you ever saw it in that light. Forevermore you will be changed to recognize that you were intended to reign over all creation. Satan messed it up. Satan messed it up. But then even in Genesis chapter 3, God uh, says, but Satan, there's one coming going to stomp your head. Amen. Amen. That's, that's something cool to see, by the way. When you see somebody stomp on a snake. I saw it in our barn when I was a kid. Uh, for some reason, there was a copperhead in the barn. And, and my dad got real close. He didn't know it was under him. And uh, there it was. And I saw him. He could move with some quickness sometimes. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he just stomped that snake, killed it right in there. And ooh, there's something to that. So God said... Man was to reign, except man chose his own knowledge of good and evil rather than walking under the reign of God, and so humanity failed. But again, God's omniscient. He understood this. He wanted, he wanted us, mankind, to reflect his person, his purpose, and his power. Under his glorious reign, humanity would administer his government. Did you catch that? His government. And yet we, we failed in that we didn't want to reign under his government. We wanted our own. However, there would be a prophet who would come, there would be many prophets that would come, who would prophesy of this government, this reign, this kingdom, and how it would be reestablished. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, you're familiar with this passage. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. We know it as the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it. You notice peace, order? It's all in here. You checking it out? You following me? Of the increase of the government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of the hosts will perform it. Who is he talking about? He's obviously talking about Jesus. And when Jesus rolls onto the, onto the scene in his hometown of Nazareth and he rolls out the scroll of Isaiah in which that was written, he rose out the scroll of Isaiah, but he goes straight to Isaiah 61, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to, uh, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to anoint the eyes of the blind, and to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he rolled it back up like a gunslinger, handed it to him, and said, It's this fulfilled today in your sight. What is he saying? That's me. I'm doing it. And Isaiah the prophet said, of that when he comes, that will be the beginning, and there will be no end to this kingdom, to God's government. Amen? Amen. That gets somebody shouting right there. Hallelujah. That gets me excited. Jesus comes onto the scene. Matthew chapter 4. Look with me in Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew 4, 
and verse 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the what? Kingdom, 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 kingdom. When you read the book of Matthew, what you're going to notice is one word repeated over and over and over and over again, the kingdom. When John the Baptist rolls onto the scene, he says, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, therefore. When Jesus comes on the scene, he goes to preaching the kingdom. What kingdom? And that man is to reign and rule under the authority of God. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And yet man couldn't do it because we lost the glory when we didn't want God. But now, when God was just for man, and then later with Jesus, God was with man, but glory to God, now with the Holy Spirit, God is in man. Amen? And we are now fit to reign. We are fit to, we, we have been reborn, recreated for the kingdom and his purposes and his plan, sharing his power. Amen? Hmm. Mm -mm. Well, going back to Luke chapter 4, 18 real quick. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, point number one, to preach the gospel. To preach the gospel. There's five things we're looking in that passage of scripture. Evangelize, soul care, healing, deliverance, and restoration. We'll be looking at those five things. You may get sick and tired of them. I don't care. Because <laughs> I know this is what God has called us to do. And I, I'll keep repeating it until you can repeat it your own self. And you may be sick and tired. But by the time you're sick and tired of we're grasping it. It's our job. We are co-missioned with Christ Jesus for his mission to bring his kingdom of order and peace and righteousness and justice to humanity. And that's what Satan messed up. But we're restoring it. We're restoring it. That's what our job is to do, is to restore it, to restore his kingdom order. And it says there again, oh, I didn't even finish that verse. Let me go back to it. Matthew chapter 4. And he, Jesus, went about all Galilee, Matthew 4, 23, went about all Galilee in the teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Y'all got that right? And what's the next thing? Healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. We, you find several passages of Scripture. We will be bringing up those passages over the next five weeks in which he was casting out demons. So what are you seeing? The very five things that he mentions as he reads Isaiah 61, the very five things that we see in Luke chapter 4, he is doing them. He is going around preaching the gospel of the kingdom, bringing soul care, restoration. He cares about the individual, physical healings, deliverance, and restoration. He does it. And then he tells us, you do it. You do it. You get out there and do it. Behold, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Matthew 28, 18. Go ye therefore. Go ye therefore what? In his power and authority. Go ye therefore into all the earth. Preaching the gospel. Making disciples of all nations. Teaching them all things I have declared to you. And lo, I will be with you always. Co-mission. Mission together with Christ Jesus. Why? Because he said, that's my mission from the very beginning. And Isaiah said, that will be his mission throughout all the time. But, but Jesus was finite in his physical body while he was on earth. 
He could only be in one place at one time. Absolutely, he was 100% God, but he was also man. He could only be in one place at one time. And then he tells the disciples, you're going to do more than I did. How can I do, how can I do more than Jesus did? Well, I can't, but he, he said you as in the plural, the church. Because now the church has spread over the whole globe and the church of Jesus Christ, if we understand this kingdom principle, the church of Jesus Christ will establish this reign once again. Amen? Amen. Restoring righteousness and judgment in the reign of God through Jesus Christ over humanity. That's good stuff. You remember with Adam and Eve, first thing that happened when Adam and Eve sinned, all of a sudden the kids get to fighting each other and one kills the other one. One wants to express dominance over the other one. Remember, Satan wants to express dominance over humanity because now the lesser man was a little lower than the angels. The lesser has now taken a reign, and God said, I will put you even over, judging the reign, uh, uh, reigning over and judging the angels. So God has taken the lesser man and put him above, and Satan said, I can't have that. Satan mixes it all up, and now you see what was order and peace is now chaos and conflict. But God says, through Jesus Christ, I can restore that. As long as the church understands the kingdom principle, then Christians would get along. Churches would quit splitting. They, would con they wouldn't continue to be conflict and confusion and chaos and all the disorder among the saints. If we understood kingdom principles, we don't understand it apparently because we want to continue to express dominance one over the other. And now I'm in charge here. And I, want, I got my saying, no, we all better line up under the headship of Jesus Christ. If you ain't heard from God, keep your mouth shut. That's how I see it. Mm. And if you've not been put in a position of authority, you better find whose vision you can line up with, who is in a position of authority. You can't line up with their vision. Keep looking. Till then, keep your mouth shut. Because you if you have not been given that position of authority, remember, God's kingdom is order. Where there's order, there's peace. And what should be happening, we're about to see. Let's, let's, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get off my soapbox and quit meddling and get to preaching. Matthew chapter 5. No, 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 no. I'm about to miss something good. Oh, this is good. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 and verse 16. Jesus, this is in red. If you're reading it in your Bible, this is in red. Jesus said, the law and the prophets were until John. Uh, he, he said, the law and the prophets. The law says, don't and do, and if you don't, or if you do, then this. That's the law. The prophets declared, you're not, so trouble's coming. You're not doing it, or you are doing it, so trouble's coming. And both of them declared judgment, judgment, judgment. Jesus said, the law and the prophets was until John. John who? John the Baptist. The law and the prophets were until John. But since John, since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? Preach the gospel. What is the gospel of? The, he went about all the synagogues, Matthew chapter 4, preaching the gospel of the what? Kingdom kingdom. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone's pressing into it. Well, everybody wants in. Everybody wants in the kingdom. 
when they see the kingdom, when they hear the kingdom, when they recognize the power of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God, the peace and the order that is in the kingdom, everybody wants in on that deal. Then why aren't our churches packed full this morning? Because they're not seeing much kingdom. That's the only reason. Why is it that the, the gospel of Jesus Christ spread like wildfire in the first 400 years since Christ? It spread all over the known world, and then all of a sudden it slowed down. Why? Because man started trying to make dominion over one another, and the conflicts began, and the order broke up, and the peace went away, and now there it is again. Satan wiggled his way into the church, and that's what happened. Over and over and over. But when we understand the kingdom, when we understand that God intends for there to be the head, Jesus Christ, under the authority, even the Trinity has order. Jesus said, I don't do anything of my own will. I only do what I hear the Father say. Jesus was submitted to God the Father. And then Jesus says, as I go, Matthew 25, he says, I will send, John 25, I will send the Holy Spirit, the helper, and he will do the things, and he will remind you what I taught. The Spirit is submitted to the Son. So we have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, there's order. And they never disagree. That's why we call it the Trinity, because the triune unity. And it's so good. You feel like he's sipping out of a fire hose this morning. There's so much, there's so much here, and, and yet we will get caught up on some little doctrine or some little dogmatic, dogmatic teaching, and we'll completely miss the big picture of the kingdom. It's his kingdom. We ought to be ruling and reigning under his order and his authority. That's good right there. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone's pressing into it. I wish everyone was still pressing into it. Maybe if we go back to preaching the kingdom, they will. The kingdom of God, the rule of Jesus Christ, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And where his, he comes in, oppression is stopped. Peace is brought in. People love one another, care for one another, take care of each other's needs. See people get saved, healed up internally, delivered from the external, healed physically, and restored. That's kingdom. And when people see that, they want some of it. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the They want some of that. They want some of that. All right, so uh, Luke chapter 16, we looked at that. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5. We'll backtrack for just a second. Matthew chapter 5. So when we read that passage, are y'all hot? <laughs> just, just me. It's hotter than a snake's butt in a wagon rut. I tell you what. I guess it's just me. So, if y'all's up here preaching, you'd be hot too. <laughs> Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. When we look at this Luke 4 passage, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Does that ever make anybody ever scratch their head? By the way, you're not poor physically. None of us in here. I've seen poverty. I've seen poverty in Guatemala and Honduras and Africa. I saw a, a trash pit. In Africa, it's probably four acres in size, bigger than this whole church property, trash pit, and little kids with no clothes on out there trying to find something to eat on the trash. You ain't poor. 
So does this not, this not pertain to me? Preach the gospel to the poor. Well, I want you to know this is not talking about physical poverty, but spiritual poverty. And there's something beyond this matter of spiritual poverty. It, it, it is a matter of not just spiritual poverty, but of humility. Until you're humble, you won't get it. Until you're humble, you won't get it. What is it that got Satan kissed, kicked out of heaven? Pride. He wouldn't humble himself under the order and the reign and rule of God. What's the first thing he did when he slipped in on humanity? God's holding out on you. You don't need God. You can be like God, have his knowledge. You see, it, it ha it's over and over and over again. Satan hadn't had to change his strategy. It works every time. It works every time. And so this matter of preaching the gospel of the kingdom to the poor, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' first sermon, he preaches what we call the Beatitudes. In verse 3, if Matthew 5 says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So you interpret scripture with scripture. So when Isaiah 61 says to preach the gospel to the poor, to poor in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means to be humble, recognizing that I have nothing, nothing to bring. Nothing in my hands I bring, only to the cross I cling. That's that humility. Poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Oh, my goodness, what does it say? For theirs is the what? Uh, well, that was in there the whole time, wasn't it? How did I not see that for years and years and years and years? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. I need to just show you that this is a progression. This is a spiritual progression. When you read the Beatitudes, you're seeing a spiritual progression. First point, number one, you must be humble before God. Poor in spirit. You must be humble before God. And that's what it is to be poor in spirit. Number two, blessed are those who mourn. What does it mean? I am sorry for my sins. I am saddened by my sins. And I am mournful over my sins, not just, a, sorry, God. No, there is going to be a mourning. I, I cannot believe I broke the heart of a righteous and good God. And until you're there, humble before God, you don't know salvation. You don't know salvation. It's not just some, well, I felt like getting saved today. I'm just going to pray some little quick prayer. Until you have spiritually become humble before God and sorry for your sin, you ain't ready yet. And that's why I try to examine people a little bit when, when we want to talk about salvation. It's like, I need to make sure I'm not picking green fruit here. <laughs> so Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. We're humble before God, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, sorry for their sins, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall, oh, let me come back to that one. Blessed are the meek. So blessed are those who are poor in spirit. I'm humble before God. I'm saddened by my sin. And now the next thing that happens is a natural progression. I am now also humble before men. It's a natural progression. Natural progression. If I am humble before God, I will become humble before men. That's what this means to be meek. It's not to be weak. Weak is to say you have no power. Meek says I have it, but I am having it under submission. My power, the power that I do have, will submit to me. That's why we do fasting. Fasting says, my desires will not rule my body. I will rule my desires under the lordship of Jesus Christ. 
That's what all that means. And so here's what this progression is. The Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are humble before God. Blessed are those who mourn, those who are saddened by their sin. Blessed are the meek, those who are humble before man. For they shall inherit the earth. That was the design from the beginning. You see how it all comes in full circle. Do you see it? What's the first thing that happened when sin enters the world? The world becomes a curse, man becomes a curse, and brother kills brother. Trying to exert dominance one over the other. And they were mad because one's worship wasn't accepted and one's worship, his worship's not right and, and your worship is right. What do you mean? Takes a rock, kills his brother. And we've been killing each other over worship ever since. Think about that. How many have left churches because, oh, they worship different than I do? How many have caused, we used, I grew up in the ministry, I grew up in the ministry, what we called worship wars. Oh, they still go on. Worship wars. They were just violent back in the day. What kind of music are you playing? Oh, y'all know it very well. You know it. Don't act like you're innocent. It's exactly what happens when people walk into this church and then they leave. They come one, for one visit and they leave and they say, well, I really like the preaching. That's a spiritualized way of saying that I didn't like the music. We've been killing each other over worship ever since, Cain and Abel. We've been fighting this fight for years. So don't think you're super spiritual and you can bring up all kinds of rationalizing and all kinds. Worship is worship. And, and it is not, we're not singing to you. I might get on every soapbox in the dead gum shop. I'm telling you. I'm sorry. I didn't really plan on. Sometimes I just go too far. But when you are singing unto the Lord, then that is his call to make. It, 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 it's, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Anyway, uh, let's come back to the scripture. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who are humble before God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Those who are saddened for their sin. Blessed are the meek, those who are humble before humanity. And then it says, for they shall inherit the earth. That's exactly what God wanted for Adam and Eve to start with. That's exactly what God wanted for Cain and Abel and Seth. That's exactly what God designed and desired for them. But we couldn't get it right until Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He came and he brought salvation that we might be born again. Let me wrap this up. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do the things that you do unless God be with him. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, you must be born again. You must be born again. For unless a man is born again, he cannot see the what? Woo. It's all coming together, isn't it? Unless someone is born again. He could not see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus, you ain't getting it, are you, son? That's just silly. Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You seeing it? Kingdom, 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 kingdom. You got to be born again got to be born again. You have to be made new. How am I made new? I'm humble before God. I'm sorry for my sin. 
and then I am fit to be made new, born again into the kingdom. This is what's happening with Nicodemus. He's coming to Jesus and he says, I see the kingdom. I want in, but I need to know how to get there. Jesus said, you got to be born again. And unless you're born again, you can't get in there. You can't even see it. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. By the way, that is a commentary on what it means to be born of water. It's not baptism. It's being born of flesh. Everybody got that? There's water happens when all that nasty. It's, I didn't want to see it. I said, nah, I ain't seeing that. Doc said, you want it? Nope. <laughs> I ain't cut that unbiblical cord. No, sir. <laughs> I said, and furthermore, don't hand him to me till you clean him up. I don't, want, I don't see none of that. <laughs> so, verse seven, uh, uh, verse verse six. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The blend, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. That the spirit of God has to bring new life. And if you were here over the weekend, you would recognize that, we, that what we're talking about here, because you have a body, you are a soul, but you're spiritually dead until you've been born again. And the only one who can breathe life into your dead body, into your dead spirit, is the same one who breathed life into the dead body of Jesus Christ, and that's the Holy Spirit. But when you've been born again, now you have the same spirit that brought Jesus back from the dead. Same spirit. You've been born of the spirit. Amen. So Nick, a ruler of the Jews, very knowledgeable. He had great knowledge of good and evil. Y'all follow me? Go back to the garden. Man, this man was so knowledgeable of good and evil. But Jesus said, you got all the knowledge, and yet you don't even understand what I'm talking about. Why? Because it's kingdom it's a spiritual principle. And just like when Peter, who was not knowledgeable, he was an old fisherman, who was not knowledgeable, Jesus said to Peter, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Peter, because man, flesh and blood, did not deliver that to you. God told you that. God told you that. Spiritual. Amen. Isn't this so good? If you're here today... And you have all kinds of knowledge, and you can beat anybody in a Bible trivia quiz, and yet you've not been born again. I have some news for you. You won't see the kingdom of God. You won't see it. But you must be born again. It is out of that conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to him in the dark because he was afraid of what people would say and see. And he comes to, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and, and says, I... I, I can tell that the work that God's working here. I'm seeing kingdom, and He's like, "No, you're seeing you're seeing the effects of the kingdom. You can't see the kingdom until you're born again." People are pressing in because they're seeing the effects of the kingdom, but until you're born again, you can't see it, and you sure can't enter into it. And so He said, "God so loved the world." That's out of that conversation we get John three sixteen. God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. It's Jesus telling us about himself. You ever think about it? That's Jesus giving us John 3, 16. He's telling to Nicodemus, you got to be born again, Nick. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, 
that whosoever. It was an old song, and whosoever surely means me. Amen. Amen. That whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's what was lost in the garden. They perished and they lost their lives exactly like God said. But if they had just went by his order and his authority, they would have been living out the reign over humanity and all creation. Have you been born again? In fact, the last thing we know that will happen on earth, when Jesus' disciples were asking him, when will all these things end? When's, what's, and everybody wants to know this, don't you? When will this all come to a close? Earth is eliminated, end of time. When is that going to happen? Jesus says, first, the gospel of the kingdom must be preached to all the world, and then the end will happen. It's time we get back to preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. You get sick of things going on the way they're going on around here? Well, let's just speed this thing up and start preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. Father God, I pray that you would give us kingdom insight and wisdom. Lord Jesus, give us your heart as you have given us your anointing. We have been anointed and appointed with the Holy Spirit and by the power of Jesus Christ and that authority. Lord, I pray that right now, if there's anyone in the house tonight, this morning, who has not yet been born again, that right now they would humble themselves before you, O God, recognizing their spiritual poverty. Lord, that there would be sadness over sinfulness. And through that act of repentance, turn to you, Lord Jesus, receive your salvation. My goodness, Lord, you are good. Lord, I pray that today it will be those entering into the kingdom. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand, please. As we have this time of invitation, we come and worship the Lord. Maybe there's someone who says, I have all kinds of knowledge. I've always known about God. I was brought up in a house that taught the word. I've been to church my whole life, but I don't know that I've ever been born again. And the Lord has shown me my poverty this morning. I pray that today you'd be born again. I pray that you would come humble before God, submitting to his reign, Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and that just, you'd be born again. Also, there's others who maybe you recognizing, I have not been doing my work. As I started this sermon off saying, God is working, and he expects us to be too. I want to tell you something. It's the only way you'll ever be fully happy, joyful, and satisfied is doing what God created you for and called you to. So as we worship and sing, pray that you would move upon the leadership of the Lord. Let's sing. Thank you, Lord, for how good you are. Lord, you're better than we thought you were. 
we continue to see over and over you increase our understanding of you and your goodness Lord we just want to come and praise you this morning thank you for being you thank you for all that you do in our lives Lord we thank you for for those little things that we forget to thank you for because they're little hints from heaven we got a good God who does good work and you love us and we thank you for that Lord I pray that today you would open our spirits up to receive from you and you Holy Spirit we ask that you would just move freely through this house Lord we pray that all resistance and rebellion would, would stop Lord we just surrender to you so Lord I pray that you'd get us in tune with you and that we would be receivable. Lord, that we would be open. Lord, that you would speak and that we would hear. Not only that we would hear, but we would listen. And not only we would listen, but we would follow through in obedience. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God is working. Amen. We've been seeing him work. And here's the thing about God. When he's working, he expects you to work too. <laughs> Amen. So we had our very first uh, I Am Whole Freedom Seminar over the course of the weekend. It's packed house, had turned people away. It was amazing. Some of y'all missed it. We, I know you wish you hadn't, but uh, guess what? In six months, you'll get another chance. All right. So uh, it, was, it was really good, uh, and uh, it's just going to get gooder, so that's what it does. So, so uh, real quick, I uh, just want to remind you that, that for the next five weeks, actually six weeks, because next week's Hansi, but uh, we will be uh, voicing the vision that the Lord has given us at, at Sand Springs. Uh, it's, it's just like obvious to me, <laughs> and yet it hasn't always been obvious. He just continues to unfold that, that, that our, uh, the vision he's given for us is exactly what it's always been throughout all of time, it's kingdom vision. And so he's given us the, the, the specifics of it, and they are found in Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus in his hometown of Nazareth goes into the synagogue. They hand him the scroll of Isaiah, and he opens it up to Isaiah 61, and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. There are five things in this passage of Scripture, and week by week we'll be looking at each one of the five. And last week we looked at uh, about being uh, having the Spirit of the Lord upon him, and he was anointed to do this kingdom work. And now we have also got the Spirit of the Lord and have been anointed to do this kingdom work. Amen. And this is what we're going to be about. So uh, that's, that's just it. I mean, if you don't like that, then that's just sorry. We just, this is what we're going to be about. We're going to be about our Father's business. And, and today I hope that I will help you understand that it is, it's always been on his heart. It's the kingdom. In Genesis chapter 1, we recognize in Genesis chapter 1, uh, God has created all of creation, and then he is going to put, put humanity over this, and, uh, reigning under his reign over creation. In Genesis 1, 26, God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. 
Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on it. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And what was the purpose? They were to reflect the power, the purpose, and the person of God. We were to reflect that over all of humanity, over all creation. Humanity is to reflect this over all creation. So as we come under his rule and reign, then we are to rule and reign over creation. Amen? So in Genesis 1, we kind of see how the Lord ordered it and, uh, and then how this was supposed to work in fellowship with the Father, then these characteristics of God would be lived out throughout creation. However, Satan comes along and does what he do, and he brought separation and disorder. The order of God in the Trinity is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I do nothing of my own. I only do what I hear the Father say, and I do exactly what the Father says. So Jesus was submitted to the authority of God the Father. Then Jesus then says, as I'm leaving, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you, and he will teach you the things that I've taught you. He will remind you of the things that I've taught. So the Spirit was, was submitted to the Son. The Son was submitted to the Father. That's the unity of the triune God. We call it the Trinity. They never disagree. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> never disagree. But then in humanity, God also had an order. Father, mother, children. Yet, Satan comes along, creates separation, gets Eve over here by herself. God had given the order to Adam don't touch that tree. Don't eat of that tree. Satan pulls Eve to the side and says, hey, can you have everything here? She said, everything but that tree. Well, God, I don't want you to have that tree because you will become like him. Now, God already said that he created him in his image and likeness. But he did not give them omniscience, all-knowing. He didn't give them that because they didn't need that because they had him. And Satan comes along and says, you don't need him if you have this. And so in exchange for having the person of God, we decide we want knowledge. And so if we have knowledge, we'll be like God. We can, can uh, be our own, uh, uh, our own little gods and, and kind of rule and reign. And God said that that, thing, that throws everything into curse, into, into chaos, and that is sin, and there will be a curse that comes with sin. So God's design, and yet in his omniscience, he knew that this was going to all come apart at the seams, and he's going to have to put it all back together through God, not only amongst mankind, but God living within mankind. Amen. And he knew that all along. And yet, here's how it goes down. He, he expects humanity to be in order, and with order there's peace. But of course, Satan wants the things into chaos, and with chaos there's conflict. And that's what he does. And so, and, and we see it happen in chapter 2, as humanity sins, then comes the curse. Next thing you know, Adam and Eve have children, Cain, Abel. And what happens? Cain kills Abel. Overworship. People still assault one another over worship. I grew up in, in, uh, in the ministry during the years of what we call worship wars. Worship wars still go on. Worship wars still go on. We still fight over the, the, the type of music that is played. We still fight over the stupidest things as if we're singing to one another when we are only singing to Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit. But we've always been fighting over worship. And I remember when I was a little kid that... Uh, I was in the back seat of the, of, the, of the car, and we were driving to church, and for somehow uh, different church denominations got brought up. I, this memory is so vivid in my mind. And denominations got brought up, and I, I went to making fun of, of uh, a particular denomination. And my dad 
shut that down real quick. And they said, don't ever make fun of how somebody worships. I ain't forgot it. And my dad has a way of making you not forget something. <laughs> I ain't forgot it. And I still, I don't want to make fun of how somebody worships. Because that is unto the Lord. Amen. So anyway, with, with the sin, with the fall, comes chaos, comes conflict. But that was never God's plan for humanity. Man was made a little lower than the angels and that the angels in their physical uh, appearance and in their glory, they're, they're, they're are, are a more exalted being. And so when, when Satan took a third of the angels and thought he would overthrow heaven and were cast, they were cast out of heaven, God said, I'll take something a little lower and have them under the authority of God reign over those angels. That was his design. And it will happen. It will happen. It happened in the scriptures. But Satan says, I can't have that. And so he goes in, creates disorder, creates chaos, creates conflict, and now we have humanity fighting humanity, and we have all of this garbage that goes on, and it breaks the heart of God. But God had a plan and a design from the very beginning, and that was that man would rule under his reign. We would rule in fellowship with him. Amen? That was his design. So I want you to look in Isaiah chapter 9. In Isaiah 9, we have the prophet under the revelation of the Holy Spirit speaking about Jesus Christ. And you know this passage of scripture because you say it at Christmas time. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He's catching it. What is his government? It's called the kingdom upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I don't know if you've picking up on what I was laying down, but what you're reading when you read that is these, these, these particular words. Order, peace, justice, you hear those words, and government and kingdom. It was his design from the very beginning that man would reign under the reign of God, that there would be this fellowship with God, and that we would reign and bring about over all of creation order, peace, justice, and his kingdom. That's the kingdom purpose. And so Isaiah the prophet prophesied that, and he's saying a child is born to us, and, and, and a son is given to us, and we know who that's talking about. It's talking about Jesus. Amen. And when John the Baptist comes on the scene, what does he say? Repent for the kingdom is at hand. And then Jesus comes preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. So when we come back to this understanding of kingdom, what is this kingdom all about? The kingdom is about the, the very five things that were written of in Isaiah 61 that Jesus quoted in Luke chapter 4 that people get saved. They get their souls cared for. That's what happened yesterday. They get healed physically, they get delivered from demonic, and they get restored. Back to the original order that God intended in the first place. That's the kingdom. And so we, we see this over and over in the scriptures. And uh, so in Matthew chapter 4, if you turn to Matthew 4, you'll see in verse 23, And Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of what? The kingdom. I hope that you're starting to pick up on a little pattern here. But what you're going to start seeing all through the scriptures, 
that God's kingdom design and his kingdom desire is that humanity would reign under the reign of God the Father and there would be peace and justice and no more oppression and no more chaos and no more fighting and that we would love one another and there would be healing and, and well-being and all of that would happen. So Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kind of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. Amen? Amen. And, and, and sister's right, we got so many testimonies in this building, it's crazy. In fact, had one just 30 minutes ago as we was taking communion, Colton got healed. Amen? Over and over. But it's, yesterday, I don't know how many we had, a bunch. And, 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 and some of y'all, y'all getting a little wigged out maybe about that, that God still heals. You might get wigged out till you get sick and then you want some healing. Amen? <laughs> He's still in the healing business. And he, why? Because he's good. He healed because he's good. And, he, and, and hurt came with the fall, but with Jesus comes healing. And he's still doing it. And he did it from the very beginning. I'm going to read it again because maybe it didn't sink in. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. Everybody say that with me. Gospel of the kingdom. One more time. Gospel of the kingdom. Put those three together. Every time you hear the word gospel, it is the gospel of the kingdom. He goes about preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all, that, all kinds of disease, diseases among the people. Amen? All right, so now if we flip over to, uh, get that out of the way, Luke chapter 16. In Luke chapter 16, in verse 16, he said, The law and the prophets were until John. The law and the prophets. So in the law, we have God's don't do this and do this. And if you don't do this and you were supposed to do it, then this is going to happen. If you do this and you weren't supposed to do it, then this is going to happen. And if you don't go through these ceremonies, then you're not in right relationship with God. And you have the whole law. And then you have the prophets come along. And the prophet says, because you weren't obeying the law, now judgment is coming to the nation of Israel. And over and over and over it goes. And we have, we have Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and all of these prophets. They're saying, because you didn't line up with the law, now judgment's coming. And it was kind of a, kind of a bummer. I mean, <laughs> uh, we tried, but uh, you can't line up under God. And so, man, it was a kind of a doom and gloom story with these prophet guys. But remember that one prophet says, oh, but there's somebody coming. Oh, there's somebody coming. He's going to restore the kingdom. He's going to restore creation. And under his reign, the kingdom will come. So here comes Jesus preaching the gospel of the what? That's right. That was pretty weak, but it's right. The gospel of the kingdom. And then verse 16 of chapter 16 of Luke, the law and the prophets were until John. Who's John? John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist comes on the scene, what does he say? Behold, the kingdom is at hand. Jesus says, for the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached. Remember, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. And here Jesus says, I'm now doing it. And he went about preaching the gospel and healing all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. And then he says, the law and the prophets were until John since the time the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. People were coming by the thousands. Why? Because they kept seeing kingdom. They kept seeing healing. They kept seeing deliverance. They kept seeing people that, that were depressed and down and out and, and couldn't get past their past. And they were getting delivered from their, their own soul wounds and, and junk that they couldn't get past. They, they kept seeing people restored. 
And who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? So he says, then people are pressing into it. Everybody wants in on that. And lo and behold, in the first 400 years of the church, the gospel had spread over all of the known world. Why? Because everybody's pressing in on it. Why? Because they were seeing the kingdom. Why is it every church filled this morning? Maybe it's because they're not seeing the kingdom much anymore. Maybe it's because we're preaching something different. Maybe it's because they aren't seeing the power of God work anymore. Because I know that if I were sick, I'm going to come for a healing. I know that if I were, were uh, wounded, I want to come for a delivery. I want, all, I want all that God has for me, but maybe people aren't seeing it so much anymore. And that's why we have half-empty churches. But he said, better go out there and preach the kingdom. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and you. We are co-missioned with him to bring about the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, I give you authority. I give you authority. He called them, gave them, and sent them. He said, I give you authority. Trample on scorpions and serpents, and that ain't bugs and squirrely things. That was just a demonic power. He said, I give you authority over the demonic. I give you power to heal. Go out there and get it done, fellas. And they did. They did their job. And the gospel of Jesus Christ spread all over the known world like wildfire until the church became corrupted. And we started doing something different. Until order got out of order. Until things happened, something different. But what's awesome is we're seeing it come back. Amen. Amen. We're seeing it come back. Preach the gospel of the kingdom. In fact, Jesus said this world will not end because they, they were asking him at the end of Matthew, in the book of Matthew there said, when will all these things be? When will the world end? He said the world won't end until the gospel of the kingdom has been preached to all the world. That's why I say anytime you see the word gospel, just go ahead and add to it of the kingdom because that is the good news. Gospel literally means good news. And it is the good news that God loves humanity and he wants to rescue and deliver and heal and restore and set free. He wants to do that for humanity and we get to get in on it. Amen? Well, in John chapter 3, now let's look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, because we have that weird part in it when it says, Behold, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Well, I want everybody to know in here, y'all ain't poor. I know you might think, well, I done grew up poor. I used to say that. We didn't, we didn't grow up poor. I've seen poverty. I've seen a, a trash heap about four acres large, about the size of our entire church property. And little African babies digging through the trash trying to find something to eat. I've seen poverty all over this world. See, we're not poor. So does that mean we're exempt from this? We, we don't get in on the gospel? No, we're not actually talking about physical poverty. We're talking about spiritual poverty. I want you to preach the gospel to those who are ready to receive it. You see, because he even, he even messes us up with this one verse of Scripture when he told his disciples, don't cast your pearls before swine. What? <laughs> Now we're talking about agriculture? No, no, we're not talking about agriculture. So don't give treasures to those that ain't ready to receive it yet. Because he said, they'll trample over the treasure, and then they'll come and cut you to pieces. They'll try and destroy you. Well, 
that's some deeper teaching for another day. But what he does say is preach the gospel of the kingdom to the poor. Well, who are the poor? It's those who are spiritually impoverished. Those who recognize I have nothing in my ability to make one inch toward God. See, all of the religions of the world is trying to work their way towards God. But Christianity has proclaimed the truth that, no, God has come down to man. And by his grace you have been saved, not of works, not of yourselves, lest anyone should boast. But it's only by the grace of God. And so if, until you've become spiritually impoverished and recognize that you can't save yourself, you're not ready to hear the gospel. So how do I know who is and who isn't? I don't. I just preach to everybody. I expected a bigger response, but y'all not preaching to everybody. Apparently, God, <laughs> preach to everybody. We just preach to everybody. And those who are ready to receive it will receive it. Those who are spiritually impoverished, say, if you're really, really hungry, you ever been really, really hungry? If you're really, really hungry, stuff that you didn't like before, now all of a sudden you like, don't, don't you, Rance? <laughs> Rance fasted a water fast this year. And, uh, and, and, and he didn't, he don't like vegetables necessarily. But when you haven't had anything to eat in 21 days, oh, them vegetables is good. <laughs> uh, for a little while. Anyway, <laughs> preach the gospel to the poor. Who are the poor? Those who are spiritually impoverished. Those who are humble before God. Let's look at the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. As Jesus preaches his own, his own sermon, his first sermon in Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor. And then he tells us what he really means by poor, poor in spirit. Not poor in your pockets, it's poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And what does that mean? Those who are humble before God. And we must come humble before God because that was the problem all along. Satan wanted to overthrow God. And because he wasn't humble before God and in his pride, he was cast out of earth, out of heaven to earth. And then he takes humanity and he tries to increase pride in them. And he separates humanity and said, you can be like God. And so it continues to do it. But if we would come back to the condition of being humble before God, now all of a sudden we're fit to hear the kingdom of heaven. And so look what it says. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the what? Kingdom. Well, lo and behold, that's been there all along, hadn't it? Maybe you've never seen it before, but there it is. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. This is a progression. When I have become humble before God, now all of a sudden I am saddened by my sin. You see the progression? We're building one upon the other. First I become humble before God, and then I realize I'm, I, I've, I have offended and hurt the righteous God who loves me so much. And now I'm saddened by my sin. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Amen. We can hang out on every one of these points for the rest of the evening, but I am so glad that I got a God that doesn't just hold me at arm's length and say, no, nope, we're going to have a probation period. We're going to wait till you get your act together. I know you say you're sorry, but mm -mm, no, mm -mm. we're going to hold, I, you prove it. You prove it. That's not my God. That's not my God. My God is so patient. He's so patient with my little old knucklehead that I can be such a hardhead and continue to, to, to do my own thing, and he's just kind of sitting there waiting and waiting, and all of a sudden sin bears its own consequence. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> have 
how did I get into this? You know how you got into it. And now, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. Come on back. He don't have a probation period. For if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse you, uh, forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9. Amen. Blessed are those who are born, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Don't think that meek means weak. Meek means power under submission. And so, first of all, I must be humble before God. And when I am, I am saddened by my sinfulness. And then as a natural byproduct, I'm also humble before men. What happened in the Garden of Eden? We want to rise up above. Next thing you know, we have conflict. Next thing you know, brother rises up against brother, kills brother. But if God truly is at work in my life, I will also be humble before men. Do you see the progression? And then we come back to, uh, let's, let's do it all over again. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the what? Kingdom, Kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of where? Heaven. heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit what? And that was the plan all along. That was the plan all along. And so the first thing Jesus does is he comes out and says, I'm anointed to preach the kingdom. And then he goes preaching the kingdom, and this is what he's preaching. Amen? That when we become humble before God, saddened for our sin, humble amongst humanity, then all of a sudden we get the very thing that he intended for us to get all along. Inherit the earth. Amen. Well, John chapter 3. John chapter 3, we have a man who had knowledge of good and evil and a lot of it. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God because no one could do the things that you do unless God was with him. So Nicodemus is one who was a Pharisee who was a, a, an expert in the law and the prophets. He was an expert in knowledge of good and evil. And yet he realized he had something void in his life. And what was it? The kingdom of God. He's watching the kingdom unfold in front of him. He's watching Jesus unfold the kingdom and, and, and show the goodness of God to humanity. And Nicodemus says, I don't have that. And Jesus said unto him in verse 3, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do you notice the, the message that he preaches over and over and over again? Kingdom of God. Kingdom, 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 kingdom. God intends for his kingdom to come to earth operating through his people, his kingdom people. And yet those who, even like Nicodemus, who had great knowledge, he couldn't get into it. I want in the kingdom. Sorry, Nick, can't do it. But I know so much. That's right. But the one thing you do need to know is that you can't get into it on your own. So he goes on to say, most surely I say to you, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when, he, when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nick, you got to be, come on, man. <laughs> you're just weird now. You're just playing games. How can I be born again? Obviously, we're talking about spiritual language, Nicodemus. And, and, and even Jesus said, later on verse 7 he said how can someone who knows so much know so little <laughs> basically but Jesus said he says in verse 5 most assuredly I say to you unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God 
Now, the next verse is a commentary on what he meant by the previous verse. Don't think being born of water means baptism. He's talking about a physical birth. And that, it, he goes into that which is born of flesh is flesh. Because when you have a childbirth, there's this water thing, and it's nasty. And I don't know. When Christy was first pregnant, she'd try and get me to watch those childbirth videos. And no, I don't see that. When our first was born, the doctor said, you want to come down here and see this? No, I do not. I pulled enough calves and horses in my time. I don't, I, I'm good. Get the change, man. Pull this. Pull this. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, there's water in childbirth. Doctor says, you want to cut this unbiblical cord? No, I do not. Don't you try to hand him to me till you clean him up either. Get on it. Cottage cheese and strawberry jam off of him. <laughs> uh, Y'all getting a visual yet? <laughs> uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Amen? You must be made spiritually alive. If you were here for the weekend, uh, I am whole conference that I laid out and I've done it in here before. You have a body with the five senses. You are a soul of mental, emotional, and will. And that you are spiritually dead. You are spiritually dead until born again. You are spiritually dead. You are a three-part person, but you're one part dead. Because of the fall and the sin of mankind at the Garden of Eden, you inherited that. But through Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, you can come alive. Amen? You must be born again. You can't see the kingdom of heaven until you've been born again. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh and flesh is that which is born of the Spirit of Spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And I've known some who are more like that wind than others that you really can't tell where they're coming from or where they're going. But we recognize it's the Spirit, the work of the Spirit. You, you don't know how it happens. You just know he's doing something here. Amen. Nick, you've got to be born again. All of that knowledge of good and evil, it won't buy you salvation. I don't care that you were brought up in Sunday school, you were taught the Word of God from childhood. There has to become a day and time in which you commit your life to Jesus Christ. Yeah. I, I've, I've had several come say, well, I, Pastor, I've always believed in God. I've always known about the Lord. Absolutely. But were you born again? Did you come to your wedding day, your spiritual wedding day, when you tell Jesus, I do? And he says to you, I do. And you've, been come, you've, you've come together in the covenant of salvation. You've got to be born again. It's a spiritual transformation and regeneration that you were dead, but now you've been made alive. Amen. And then what happens? The kingdom of God begins operating in and through you. In and through you. And what does that kingdom look like? As one gets saved, as one is made new in Christ Jesus, as one has become the spiritual being, then all of a sudden, 
You see these things happen, the five things that we've talked about, the evangelism, the, the soul wounds healed, the deliverance happening, the physical healing happening, the restoration happening, and that is the kingdom because God is trying to restore what was lost at the fall. And humanity will display the goodness of God over the entire earth. And when people see that, they're going to start pressing in on it. They want to press in on it. I want in on that. And so my question to you this morning is, have you been born again? If so, God did a work in you. God's doing a work on you. God wants to do a work through you. And there is nothing greater than getting to partner with Christ and his mission. And he tells us in Matthew 18, uh, 28, 8, verse 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go ye therefore into all the nations, making disciples of all those, teaching them the things that I've taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and lo, I'll be with you always. Co-mission with Jesus. He says, I'm still doing it. Those five things that I said I was going to do from the very beginning, I'm still doing it, but I'm now doing it through you. Jesus said something mess you up. He said, you're going to do greater things. He's telling his disciples, you're going to do greater things than I did. We say, how in the world? I, I don't have any account where a disciple walked on water. Except G Peter for just a second. It didn't take very long. He went, boop. But how in the world can anybody do more than Jesus did? Well, he didn't say anybody. He says you in the plural. Because Jesus, as 100% God, was also 100% man. He could only be in one place at one time. But now when his kingdom has spread across his church, now the church goes forth, not limited, because there are numbers of us, isn't there? And we go forth preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And people want in on that. And if you're here and you hadn't got in on that, boy, today would be an awesome day to do that. Let's stand together. Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you that you have revealed your heart to us and who you really are. Because some came into the building and think that you are a harsh, hard, mean, distant, judgmental God. Filled with wrath. But who you really are is a loving, caring, patient, compassionate, generous, giving God. But those who are in Christ don't get in on that. And so, Lord, I pray that today you would push back the veil of darkness that the enemy has pulled over some of our eyes. And, Lord, that we would come to realize I need to be born again. And then... For those who are born again, that we would go around spreading this gospel message, the gospel of the kingdom, that this good God works in you and he wants to work through you. Lord, may we be your kingdom people, not just church folk. There's a difference. We ain't just church folk. We want to be your kingdom people, spreading your reign over all the earth. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have a time of invitation and singing, and our prayer team is going to be at the front. Maybe you need a touch from the Lord. You come and have our people pray with you. The altar's open. You can come and spend time with the Lord. Maybe if you're here today and you said, I've never been born again, better get that right today. And there's no better time than the present. Let's sing.